Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Hoot at Monday. Saints victory yesterday in week five against the Buccaneers at home in the Dome. Now sitting at four and one. And yesterday we could pretty much say was Teddy Bridgewater's coming out party for the Hoodats. Yeah, it was an exciting day, obviously, to get us to four and one. Was hoping San Francisco would choke tonight to get us that number one seed, although it's way early in the season still. But surprisingly, it looks like they're going to hang on, so we will have to settle for the number two if the season ended today. But a great performance, especially by the defense. Uh, had some some key players just place really, really well. Uh, and, and hopefully we can keep this train rolling. No doubt there. Keep it moving on to Jacksonville next week, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We'll do that preview at the very end of the podcast and as we usually do we'll start out with some quick stats just to get everybody up to par here with the saints win yesterday including playoffs we have now reached 375 total wins for our team's history big moment there quick hits for the tampa side Jameis winston 15 of 27 204 yards two touchdowns should have had two picks that were negated by different penalties uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Ronald Jones, their leading rusher, nine for 35. And Chris Godwin, seven for 125 and two touchdowns. And Jimmy, I was at the game yesterday. And towards the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, I, I turned to uh, a friend of mine next to me and I said, has Mike Evans caught a ball? Mike Evans would single-handedly wreck us in years past. And he was held without a catch. Now, unfortunately, Chris Godwin took uh, the majority of that. But I thought it was a pretty big accomplishment, limiting Evans to no catches. Yeah, it was a huge effort. And if I had to drink a shot every time they mentioned it, I would have been lit by the beginning of the third quarter because they did praise Lattimore, which he deserved. But they just went back to it and back to it. And the only shocking thing was they showed Evans on the sideline several times. And you would think somebody with, with some competitive fire would be fired up and kind of ticked off. And he looked like he was just picked last in a pickup game of basketball. Just kind of, you know, okay. And guess I'm just sitting here. Nothing else I can do. I guess, you know, he's just going to shut me down all game. So, hey, you know, more power to Lattimore. Must have gotten his head because he was done. Well, good. Yeah, and obviously being at the game, I don't, I don't know what they're talking about on the broadcast. But uh, it, it was definitely an afterthought for me. It took me until end of third, early fourth to even remember that Evans is on the field. So uh, great job by Lattimore there. Turn it over to the Saints side. Teddy Bridgewater, 26 of 34, 314 yards, four touchdowns, credited with a pick. Jimmy, I'm going to defer to you a little bit here. I could tell you the live vantage point was that it bounced right off of Kamara's hands. Talking to a few people who watched the game, they said it could have been slightly behind him, but he had two hands on it. Uh, definitely should have caught it from their point of view. What did you see? Uh, definitely Kamara's fault, uh, being a ex-quarterback, not that I, I, I'm a little biased, but it was a little bit kind of hit him right in the backside of his hip, but obviously two hands on it. It wasn't even a tough play. It wasn't a perfect pass. Should have been out in front. And if he breaks that tackle, he might've went the distance, but, uh, Kamara was just off a little bit in the beginning. Um, they showed him early in the game. And he was uh, sticking some smelling salts around his nose and taking some big sniffs. And my thought was he hadn't gotten hit really hard yet. If you need some smelling salts to get psyched up, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was a first noon game. Maybe it was, you know, not the, the excitement of the Cowboys coming to town. But it took him a little bit to get going. So, uh, yeah, I think he was sleeping, sleepwalking through the first 
quarter or two. Yeah, and finished up with modest numbers uh, for his, you know, previous performances, 16 carries for 62 yards. Michael Thomas dominating the receiving category, as he always does, 11 catches, 182 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, offensively, the Saints did not allow a sack. I thought pass protection was great. Uh, I would like to get into the run game a little bit more later on. Six sacks given up by Tampa in comparison. Uh, at halftime, Tampa was 0 for 4 on third down, ended up 3 of 11 for 27%, uh, while the Saints were 53% third down conversion rate. Looking at penalties, Saints still had six. Tampa had four, definitely an area that we want to keep, uh, keep a watch on and, and keep focus on there. Uh, we had seven minutes more in time of possession than the Bucks. And certainly, as I was at that game, that really played out well. Uh, it certainly seemed as if we had that ball more often than not, controlling the line of scrimmage there for the most part, controlling the pace of the game. Uh, so I thought that was well done. Some quick did you know, uh, James. Last time, I, I love throwing these on you. You know that. When was the last time the Saints had three different players complete a pass in the same game? I don't recall the year, but I believe it, there was a Billy Joe involved and Lamar Smith, but I don't recall the other quarterback at the time. I tell you what, two for three ain't bad. You're batting 667. You're going to the Hall of Fame, son. Uh, good job. 1998, Billy Joe Hobart and Lamar Smith. And who was the third? I'll give you one clue. Worth SEC. There it is. There it is for the trifecta. My favorite they, quarterback uh, while I was in college, even had the jersey, wore, playing second season football. There you go. They did it in the season opening win in 1998 against the Rams in St. Louis. Michael Thomas yesterday surpassed Antonio looking for a job, Brown, for the most games with 10-plus receptions since entering the league in 2016 with 12. Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Had his first four-touchdown pass game since week 15 in 2015. And then a few quick notes on Kamara. This was his fourth game this season with 20 or more touches this season. Last year, he had five. So he's already about to match that output there. Certainly seems where that's an area we're missing Ingram to help spell him. And certainly you kind of worry long-term uh, with that amount of touches and that amount of usage, how that's going to wear and tear on him down the season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely carrying the rock quite a bit. He's, he's the safety check down on, on most plays. They did get um, Latavius Murray a few more carries. I think he had seven or eight carries. So uh, they're trying to get him a little more involved in the game. Um, but until we find that second receiver, yes, again, had a big play, but I don't think he's a consistent threat. Until we get that second receiver, I think it's going to be hard to, to even up the carries. Hence why we have heard that Kamar Aiken, Brandon Marshall, and yes, Des Bryant, who I predicted will join the Saints, should be working out with them tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. There's also some rumors about a trade possibility with uh, A.J. Green with Cincinnati, although Troy and I talked about it earlier today. I don't think either one of us think he's worth a number one. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. I would personally take Des on a cheap prove-it contract over trading away more assets as we have given away enough over the last few years when it comes to the draft. It's a good point, James. And lastly, to wrap up with Kamara, he's the first player this season with 45 or more rush yards against the Bucks. Um, now, oh, and the biggest stat we haven't talked about, let's go streaking! 
Saints streak of 31 games now without allowing a 100-yard rusher is still intact and uh, comes up with a formidable opponent this coming week with Leonard Fournette. But again, we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, I, one thing I'd like to say about the game, um, I have various notes written down. Um, I thought Sean Payton really opened the playbook a little bit. I think he tried some new little wrinkles. Um, we had the Kamara halfback pass uh, on a, a key um, conversion uh, late in the game. I thought that was huge. We also saw the direct snap to Kamara with Taysom Hill taking the lead block. Uh, didn't necessarily get the block he was looking for, but I think that shook things up a little bit. And then what Troy and I have been clamoring for for weeks now is let Hill throw at least a few times because with that threat, they won't just know it's uh, option or, or RPO coming every time. Um, and, and so I thought he opened it up. The only bad coaching decision I thought of the entire day, and this made me so mad, was when we did not kick the field goal late in the game. A uh, couple of minutes left. If you kick the field goal, you go up by 17, and there's no way they can score a touchdown, get the onside kick, score again, and get another onside kick and score. And we tried to ice it. I don't know if it was to be cute or to get Thomas 200 yards, but it backfired. And luckily, uh, they didn't get the onside kick. It went right out of bounds. Um, I personally exhaled a big sigh of relief because those are the kind of things that usually come back and haunt us. Uh, but luckily it didn't come back to bite him, but not sure what he was thinking there. Yeah, and, and thankfully for us, it was a terrible onside kick uh, attempt by Tampa. I mean, it just went straight over, no bounce, no vertical, uh, nothing. So thankfully it wasn't even really in contention, but I'm with you there. The only thing I can think, we were texting during the game, Thomas was at 180, roughly around that point. And instead of kicking that field goal, they went for a little slip screen there. I don't know if they're hoping to try and get him a little, you know, some yardage there to get to 200. If so, uh, you know, it's a pretty pretty foolish decision there. Uh, you, you don't worry about the number. You don't worry about that number. Worry about the number that's up there on the scoreboard. Uh, if you kick that field goal, you're up by 10 with their touchdown, and it's still a two-possession game instead of one with an onside kick recovery and Hail Mary to tie it. Uh, you know, is that likely? No. But can it happen? Yes. And I think you always go with, with the definite there. And the definite is putting points on the board. But uh, one other thing I do agree with you on, uh, James, is, is kind of the uh, trickery, if you want to call it that, by Peyton. Uh, I love the original formation there where they lined up Hill and Kamara uh, in their traditional spots, Hill on the QB, Kamara to his left, and then a simple slide over where now Hill is on the right side of Kamara uh, with the direct snap. And so many things you can do with that. And just those two different plays, the halfback pass and that alignment, now those defensive coordinators have to respect that. They have to devote some coaching time and some practice time to those formations, which could allow us to exploit some of our other more traditional-based uh, formations and offensive schemes. So I love that. It doesn't hurt us any bit. If anything, it only helps us in this game and future games by having to force the D, uh, DCs around the league to, to put some time to that. Yeah, that, that was key. And the other thing the announcers mentioned, I didn't think about it. I knew it, things seemed a little bit different, but with the rule changes, it's very, very, it was already difficult to get an onside kick. I think the conversion, successful conversion rate a few years ago was probably in the 30s or maybe even high 20s. This year, there hasn't been one yet. And they were talking about how that's due to a few factors. Number one, you can't overload either side. You have to keep five people on both sides of the kicker and you get no running start. So it, it's going to have to be a perfect kick 
with a perfect bounce. Um, so I, maybe that played in Sean Payton's decision. I'm not sure, but uh, I still didn't like the call. Yeah, me either. Me either. Uh, I tell you one play in the dome that people got really jacked up for uh, until it was kind of blown for naught. Certainly live, I didn't hear any whistles for that first interception that we had. Uh, and then buddy next to me showed me the, the yellow hanky on the field. I said, certainly that had to come after the interception. Uh, and then we find out it's a delay of game. If it's a delay of game, you blow that play dead. And again, I don't know if that carried over on the broadcast. Nobody heard anything in the dome. Uh, and I got, I got pretty, uh, pretty livid at that moment uh, because it should have been a play that prevented, or excuse me, it should have been a call that prevented the play from even happening. Yeah, they did talk about it on the broadcast. And, you know, I, I didn't get too emotionally charged by that because I, I think I saw the flag fairly early. But to your point, they should have blown it dead. But it was, it was interesting karma going around with, with uh, the refs yesterday. We had the huge break, which to this day, even with the explanation, I don't understand how we got to retain possession when Harris fumbled that, that, uh, that punt return. Um, you know, there was a scrum. Tampa comes out with it, and they're like, sank the ball. Uh, to this day, have no clue. But I think there was some karma going on because a few plays later, the interception where the ball hits karma and karma uh, hits Kamara on the back hip. And then he kind of just bounces it right up to the guy that to, to intercept the ball. So a lot of, a couple of strange calls out there. Uh, we did have the, the first, at least for the saints game, uh, our first targeting ejection call uh, with the leading with the crown of the helmet um, guy was ejected and another kind of classless sign instead of, you know, kind of, being bummed that he's kicked out the game. The guy's smiling. He's giving dap to everybody on the way out. Um, not not a good look from from a Tampa player who's you know leading with his head trying to hurt somebody. Yeah, and, and you know I I don't know if Bruce Arians will take care of that later on. That's something I don't believe he would put up with necessarily. Uh, you know how much of that he sees or not in the middle of a game. You know, that's, that's hard to kind of discuss there. But just a few quick hits of some different notes that I, I took at the game. They're going to be a little segmented, but I'm going to try and keep them uh, as together as possible here. Uh, early on, you know, obviously Bridgewater had a good – he had a good game. He had a great game. Um, early on, there was a couple throws there. One particularly, first quarter, Jared Cook on a third and six. He threw to his outside shoulder, should have been his inside. Cook still could have made a play on that, but he made the throw a lot more difficult than it had to be. Uh, and there was another particular throw where uh, I didn't feel he anticipated it well enough. And he was kind of waiting to throw it when the receiver's open. And Jimmy, you know this more than anybody else. If you wait till when the receiver is open and throw it, it's already too late. You need to anticipate that opening. You need to anticipate that receiver getting to the spot on the field. And then almost as if he heard me from 302, rep rep, section 302, um, and later on in the game threw a beautiful pass to Thomas on a third down drag across the field where he did anticipate through to the spot. Thomas got there, made a great catch. So, uh, you know, good game, but still a few things that I think he can do a little bit better. Uh, it may appear to be nitpicking. You know, again, I, I try to remind myself I can't compare Bridgewater to Breeze. I need to compare Bridgewater week five to Bridgewater week four. And there were vast improvements there, but still an area I feel he can, he can grow in, get a little bit more comfortable in his reads and certainly hit his, uh, hit his targets when they show up. Yeah, I'm going to say you are nitpicking a bit. Um, I, he wasn't perfect, but I thought he had a hell of a game. Uh, there was one throw that was just horrible that could have been picked. But other than that, I mean, yeah, he was a little high here. 
Cook does not have the softest hands. They showed that play a couple of times, and yes, it was high, a little behind him, but it, 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 he didn't even get his hands open on it. It kind of like hit some fingers and just kind of bounced off. Um, but what I did like to, what I did like, and what I saw was the fact that he grew, and maybe it was because they played a little more man on defense. But second possession, he hit that 34-yard completion of Thomas. And we kind of broke the seal on just the five yard, five to 10 yard passes that he did the last couple of weeks. So he had that, he had the bomb again, he had some other passes. Um, so I, I thought he played really well. He, he still is pretty conservative. Um, I think there are times he holds onto the ball a little too long, but you know what? I mean, I think if anybody would tell you our second string quarterback would come in, beat the Seahawks at Seattle, Cowboys at home and the Bucks and be three and oh, I think we take it all day long. Absolutely. And look, people who listen to this podcast, they know I was I was pretty tough on Teddy. And, uh, you know, look, I'm not after one great game and I'll give it to him. It's a great game. Uh, you know, I'm not ready to anoint him the second coming uh, by any means, but he certainly looks more comfortable. Thought the O-line did a fantastic job pass blocking. There were a few little scrambles that he, he took. Uh, but I don't know if that was more for the yardage that he saw in front of him as opposed to the need to get out of the pocket. So they played a great game and helped him get more comfortable. It's at home, such a, a welcoming, you know, venue for him. Um, now, I will say, and I, on the broadcast, it came across all the Teddy chants. I was a little confused at the first one. Uh, he threw his first touchdown pass, and the dome erupts. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. And I wasn't sure, you know, on one hand, I'm thinking, well, it's kind of what NFL quarterbacks are supposed to do. They're supposed to throw touchdowns. Or if it was more of a look, you had some struggles these last few weeks. We believe in you. You know, we're behind you. Uh, at the end of the game, obviously, I, I certainly understood that. Played a hell of a game. A uh, little confused in the beginning. But you know what? I think I think he bought into that. I think he realized, you know, he's in a place and a, and a fan base that appreciates what he's doing. Uh, I don't envy anybody who had to step into that position when Breeze gets hurt. The expectations are incredible. Uh you know, almost insurmountable, but he's getting more and more comfortable with his strengths playing in the system that Peyton's creating around him, getting more time with the ones and just getting more reps, more viable, valid reps with everybody. Uh, and it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's becoming his team. It's obviously still Drew's team, but in this moment, they're looking to him inside that huddle and saying, Hey, you know, lead us to where we need to be. Yeah, those, those are great points. And, and just as a reminder of who that leader is, um, I always like finding out after the game how the pregame huddle went and the fact that DeMario kind of co-led it with Breeze going back to the one, two, win for you, three, four from the Super Bowl year. That was freaking awesome. That's all I got to say about that. I was ready to go. Just crack skulls. Like I was pumped. So that was that was pretty sweet. Was that almost a Latimer reference from the program? Just I think it might have been. I, I, look. Defense, seat at the table. Yeah. <laughs> was that was that from the movie or was that you i couldn't really tell good job good job uh look at halftime speaking of demario davis he went over 800 tackles for his career he had 801 at half uh don't have right here with me how many he got during that second half but certainly he's past 800 that's a great testament to him uh his longevity being in the years quite a, or being in the league quite a few years now but certainly you share that spotlight with breeze talking about Latimer, you, you've earned a spot at the table. And his play has continued to inspire his teammates and get everybody on the same level that he is. 
uh, thought early on. I'm going to go back to just some of these notes I jotted down. There were a couple plays early in the game by Tampa, a couple out routes that they threw to Eli Apple that they didn't convert. I don't know how it was presented on broadcast, uh, but the, the result of those plays were not based on Eli's coverage. He played very, very loose on those out routes. They were simply bad throws, overthrown, out in front and above. Uh, you know, look, it's very much nitpicking, but when I'm there, I'm just trying to catch up on some little things that I'm seeing. Uh, and so it didn't burn us. But, you know, if I'm if I'm OC there and I see him playing loose, that's a prime opportunity for me to hit an out and up, um, you know, and just try and catch him sleeping there with some lax coverage. But uh, the other thing I noticed, particularly on third down, but many times throughout, especially in the fourth uh, fourth quarter, our D-line would stand up. I don't know if you saw that, Jimmy, on the broadcast, but uh, particularly our ends, but some, uh, some plays, even the whole D-line just stood up, uh, and, which was a little different. You know, obviously you, you, you look at textbook line play and, you know, they're down in their stance. So uh, I was kind of curious to see that and see the effect it had uh, with how quickly they could get off that line. Yeah, it, it, I think Davenport has pretty much gone to standing up every time now. Uh, I know Cam does it quite a bit, but to your point, I think the interior guys started doing it a little bit as well. Um, two points I'd like to make really quickly. Uh, I'm sure uh, the Saints coaching staff listens, you know, sincerely and, and just loves listening to our podcast because our pleas are paying off on the first one, although it got called back from, from a penalty. Eli Apple did play a deep ball about as good as you possibly could play it. Ran step for step, looked back, intercepted the ball. I almost fainted. I could not believe he played it the way you're supposed to play it. Uh, and then the other thing, not, not Aaron, the Aaron thing. Glenn, Aaron Glenn, and Dennis Allen, constant visitors to this podcast. Just to let the that nation know. Yeah, and uh, the other one was I, I was begging for some batted balls, and I forget the the play, uh, but there was one where Davis came in on a blitz and he jumped and batted a ball down and, and we got tons of those last year and this year I, I don't know what it was I mentioned it last week but at least we got one there and I think those are those are plays that you can make even when you're not getting to the quarterback just you know close down some lanes knock, knock some balls down and and even better yet you might get a deflection and a pick tell you the the two coaches that may not be on the train for this particular podcast just yet Pete Carmichael and Mr. Sean Payton because yet again we busted out the Josh Hill tight end screen. Yes, and I, so thought, I thought we made it abundantly clear that you need to get that off the play call. And I don't care how you do it. Get it off the play call. Last week they ran it, and I think they ended up getting 14 yards or so. And I remember saying, look, I'm a hoot at till I die. So I'm glad we got positive yardage on that. But that gives Peyton another three years to make that call. It's sad. I, I couldn't run a 40 in a day. And I think I could maybe get one more yard squeezed out of that that awesome play that's just designed maybe from Tecmo Bowl or something. I'm not sure where they got it, but it's god-awful. Nice game. reference. Nice reference. Used to love that game. A uh, few last, last couple points here. Uh, towards the end of the game when Michael Thomas scored his second touchdown, those Tampa DBs did not want any part of them. Uh, one simply just dove in desperation. And the other tried to play patty cake with his shin. I don't know exactly what happened, but he, uh, I mean, he, he just walked right in like a man possessed. They didn't want anything to do with him. Uh, very end of the game, we, we got bailed out on a fourth and one conversion by the Bucks because they actually called timeout before the snap, but the play went off and they actually converted. 
Uh, and then they converted again after that on a fourth and one pass to Godwin, which I thought at that point in the game showed a little respect for our D-line and the, and the penetration uh, that they were getting off the edge and internally on that side. Yeah, that, that was that was huge. Um, and, and speaking of that, I think we need to give the D-line some love. Um, you know, Cam Jordan is Cam. He's going to get his pressure. But Davenport finally, I thought, had his maybe not a true breakout game, but he uh, had just read an article earlier in the week saying that he need, he wants to be this more disruptive, wants to get more stats. Uh, he had the uh, knockout of the ball, uh, which officially gives him a sack, where we, we should have recovered it. We didn't recover it, but he had that one, a forced fumble. He had another sack later in the game where he just demolished, just train wrecked the guy in front of him and got a, a good sack. And he was uh, putting constant pressure out there. We expect Cam Jordan to be up at the top, and I think he was in the top five of pressures going into the week. But believe it or not, uh, Davenport was in the top 10. I think he was ninth or 10th. So uh, he is starting to make a difference. Uh, we did give up a lot of draft capital for him, but I think that was huge. We had the sack by Malcolm Brown, who I think has been a great addition. We got a little shimmy from uh, Cedric Rankins, or uh, Sheldon Rankins, rather. Nice Are combo you? of Cedric Ellis, Ellis and Sheldon Ellis. Rankins. Yeah, that was a good one. But I think the one I was most excited about was Granderson getting the sack. You're talking about a free agent. Had some off-the-field issues or potential issues with some uh, accusations. Got out of it. Came back to camp. Played eight or nine plays and got a sack. Uh, so I think we might see a little more of him in the rotation, especially with Hendrickson uh, sidelined for the time being. That was the only the point I was going to make with that is just imagine when Hendrickson does come back, if he can come back with the same kind of momentum he had before he exited with the injury, that just gives us an additional uh, an additional playmaker there, some additional depth to kind of get that rotation going and possibly get even more creative with some of those fronts that we can use uh, on that side of the ball. So, uh, you know, very, very exciting. I'm definitely in agree uh, agreement with you there. D-line played lights out. Um, my favorite sequence of the entire game came at the very end where first down, second down, third down, straight sacks, all three. Dome almost blew the roof off at that point. They just could not stop us. And that third down, we only we only rushed three, three on five, and we still win. So when you can win on three on five, it gives the back end of your defense all the confidence in the world to lock down and make plays. And I just thought that was a, an incredible series. Uh, there's a video going around today. I don't know if it came out yesterday and I just missed it, but of uh, one of those sacks by Jordan where Jameis is trying to he's trying to get up and he basically shoves Jordan's face back down onto the turf and uses his helmet uh, for some leverage to get up off his feet. Uh, so, you know, look, go for it. That's just bulletin board material. And you nobody will convince me that Cam will not remember that when we go to Tampa later on this year. He's a bum. Just a bum, even in the Minnesota voice. In the words, in the words of Minnesota fans, he's a bum. Jameis Winston's a bum. Uh, slight inside joke there. Hope you can, uh, hope you can just, you know, kind of let us let us have that one there. Appreciate it. But uh, look, I think I'm ready to dish out some beignets, son. I'm getting, I'm getting pretty jacked here. Uh, James, would you do the honors, please? What you got for the offense? On the offensive side. Uh... I got to give them a uh, very solid effort, very solid effort, 31 points, really nothing to sneeze at. I'm going to give it four and a half beignets. And the only reason I'm not going five, 
running game wasn't all that great, uh, but all the intangibles, the play calling, the drives when you needed it, Thomas's huge performance, Bridgewater's huge performance, four and a half beignets. What do you have? James, I'm going four. Here's the deal. I can't half a beignet. All right, I can't. I'm going just all the way, baby. Real deal, Holyfield. Ain't no way I'm leaving half a beignet on the plate. So I'm going four out of five for the very same reason. Uh, wasn't, wasn't enough running lanes, uh, I thought, that we that were well-established. Um, our, our backs had to work for everything they got. Great pass protection, again. Uh, receivers did well. You know, obviously, that's pretty much Thomas and Thomas alone. But you mentioned Ginn had the nice play. Cook actually had his first touchdown as a Saint which uh, although he's been very uh, unproductive, uh, I thought it was a good moment there where at least he could get that, maybe build some confidence, maybe build into some momentum. Uh, yeah, I said momentum. That's, that's, momentum. Oh, that's, that was that's, a nice that's one. more momentum than normal. It's momentum. Uh, but uh, hopefully he can kind of transition that into some better play here moving forward. But I would like to see a little bit more dominance on that, on that run. Uh, run offense, particularly to help set up the rest of our run game. So I'm going four out of five with the offense. Like you said, great performance, 31 points. Uh, you know, is not a whole lot you could say there. But if you look at what was the weakest area of our offensive game planning, uh, it, would, it would be the run game. So that's why I'm going four out of five on that. What about the D? You're not going to like this one, but I'm going to go four and a half beignets again. And primarily... Is that the Atkins diet, bro? What you doing? Um, what you doing? Where you from? The parish, bro? All I'm going to say is that last drive was horse bleep. That's all I got to say. It was terrible. They just totally stopped trying. They didn't even try to tackle the guy at the end. Winning 31-17 would have looked a lot more impressive than 31-24. Maybe a few of them had some side bets. I'm not sure what happened, but I thought that effort on that last drive ruined a beautiful performance. It was still solid and very good, but I think it would have been just about a perfect performance. Other than that, I thought that was terrible. Yeah, I'm with you there. Again, I can't have it. Just can't do it. So I'm going four out of five for the defense as well. Great pressure up front. Uh, we talked about the three straight sacks uh, in that series in the fourth. That really set the tone for the rest of that game. The, the last defensive series, I agree with you completely there. Uh, but for me, there was some poor tackling throughout the game. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if everybody kind of caught that. One of my notes from the actual game uh, was uh, looking at it right here about Ronald Jones. A couple different plays, I and mean, he's just hurtling our defenders, and we're just diving shoulder first. Arms are not out. Arms are, you know, are not out uh, trying to, to wrap up and get a good tackle. We're just trying to bump and hope we bump them out, uh, out of bounds. you, you got to wrap up. I mean, a more dynamic playmaker there, not, not to take away from Ronald Jones, because there are quite a few plays, one in particular in the open field. He made Demario Davis look like a rook. Uh, it was bad. And I saw it, like I said, all the way in my seat, 302. Um but we need to wrap up. So I just thought some tackling was a little was a little weak there in certain spots. And then uh, we gave up a lot of big plays as well, particularly to Chris Godwin, 18 yards of reception on average. Um, you know, so look, again, 31, 31-24, uh, it's a win. That last possession that they got a TD on kind of left a little bad taste there. Four out of five, still a great performance. We'll take it every week. But uh, yeah, if, 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 they don't, if they don't have the drive at the end, we hold that team who scored 55 points the week before, we hold them to about 210 yards. 
So that 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 was just bad. I, I you know I know we're not looking to, for stats and trying to win the total yards given up award, but um, like you said, just just finish it out strong. I'm sure Peyton wasn't super excited about that. But uh, overall, uh, you know, you give them four and four. I give them four and a half, four and a half beignets. Um, you know, overall, very solid effort. Well, then let's uh, let's give some love to the special teams here. What you got there, James? And if you say another half, I will drive to Dallas before this podcast ends. Oh, special teams. This wasn't a good day for the special teams. Um, Morstead was solid, but a lot of his punts were right inside the 20, not inside the five or the four or one, uh, and Deontay Harris had a very rough day at the office. Um, dropped the first one, but he, he, he got it back, which was okay. He actually almost broke it after, which would have been beautiful. Um, then he dropped one after, well, he, after he got his leg twisted, and we got lucky and didn't lose that one as well. And then later in the game, he should have secured a fair catch, and he let it bounce, and we got lucky that it didn't go all the way inside the, the three or, or one. Um, so he had a tough spot. So I'm going to give it, we did make the one field goal. Um, all of Lutz's extra points were right down the middle. I'll give it two beignets, a measly two for the special teams. Measly. I like that. Measly two. I'm going to go three. I'm going to go three. And here's why I look at, I look at special teams, you know, pretty much four different, uh, four different phases. You've got your kickoffs, your kick return, your punt return, and then your punts. Punting, you know, you said Morstead got it within the 20 every time, but not not within the 5 or the 10. And I know that that's the standard we hold him to, but I'm not going to knock him too heavily on that for still getting him within the 20. So I thought punt was good. Kicking, we made the one field goal um, and then converted all those extra points, like you said, right down the middle. Uh, the, the, the problem was the returns, and you already mentioned it, so I'm not going to dive in too much there, but two fumbles. And then just could have been just as damaging was giving up that extra 10, 12 yards on the uh, fair catch that he moved out of the way from. And those are just those are just mistakes we cannot make against uh, opponents who are going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. But where's Rizzy? Rizzy's got to be in that guy's ear and say, you're not playing next week until you step it up. Son. Well, look, first fumble. All right. You know, like you said, he's a rookie. Let's let's figure this out. Get your mind right. Fumbles again. It might have been the very next opportunity, I believe. Yeah, but so the at first that point, was a few weeks ago, he dropped. One well, that's true. That's true too. So we're saying, all right, he's out. Who, who are we putting back there? Probably not going to put Kamara because he's too valuable. But you know, who else we have? Probably Ginn or somebody else that may go back. And then we saw him come back out, and then he fair catches it, right decision, good job, and then moves out of the way and loses 13 yards. Bad job. Bad, <laughs> bad job. So uh, you know, that, that's why I'm going three out of five there. So I got four, four, three. I believe you have four and a half, four and a half, two. Uh, right. So we're, we're pretty similar there. All right, new segment. For pretty much the entirety of the Houdat Nation, the term Houdat is synonymous with positivity. All right, Houdat's everywhere. In today's segment, our Houdat is literally going to beg the question, who is that? Somebody who's supposed to be a Saints player, somebody who's supposed to represent our team and do all things well, simply didn't do well today and didn't perform. So that's going to be our who that player of the game. And then the opposite of that is going to be our that's who player of the game. That's who I'm talking about. That's the man. So, James, let's start out with the that's who. Who was your that's who performer of yesterday's game? 
I got to go with Bridgewater. I mean, Thomas definitely had a great game, but Bridgewater deserves some due. I think both of us have been a little hard on him because we're just such huge Taysom Hill fans. Uh, but I'm going Teddy Bridgewater, Datu. Nice ending there, James. Nice ending. Well, look, it's a great thing. You and I are brothers. We go together like lamb and tuna fish. Uh, it's another reference for you peeps listening. Appreciate it. I'm going to go Michael Thomas. Go ahead. I'm going to go Michael Thomas here. Uh, and I, it could easily have gone Teddy Bridgewater, no doubt. But Thomas, Thomas put this on his back a little bit. And, yes, the argument can be made. Obviously, Thomas isn't going to catch it if it's not thrown by Bridgewater. But uh, he just went out and, and played as if he were a man among boys, averaging 16.5 yards per reception for 11 uh, touches, 11 receptions, 182 yards and two touchdowns. Played like a man possessed, wasn't getting tackled very easily, requiring multiple people there. He is my Datsu player of the game. And that's a good hey. call. And, and real quick, just to give him some, some props as, as time is running out here, um, did you know he now leads the league in both receptions and the yards? So give him his props for the Datsu player. What? Nice. Nice. Way to go, MT. That's who. All right, to wrap up this segment, we also need, unfortunately, to talk about the who that? Who? 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 I'll tell you who that. Who that? that? There might be. Deontay Harris, ladies and gentlemen. Who that? Last couple weeks showed a lot of promise. I know we mentioned about the one fumble uh, before, but certainly kind of bringing back that electricity to our returns that Maybe we hadn't had since, uh, you know, maybe since Bush. And that's a little bit of a lofty expectation there. But in the preseason, he showed a lot of promise. Uh, really didn't do a whole lot to negate that until this week. So uh, for the performance, two fumbles and a very poor choice on a fair catch. Tonight's who that is Deontay Harris. I concur. So, moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Opened up, we are only, Jimmy, and this surprised me a little bit, we are only one-point favorites. Yeah. As well, of now. You got you to give three for being on the road, so we would be four-point favorites at home, although that would be kind of small. But I got to say, it's kind of an interesting matchup. Uh, they traditionally have a pretty good defense, but we're basically playing LSU in offense. Uh, you got DJ Chark, uh, who's leading the team. He's fifth in the NFL with 485 yards receiving right now. He had and, two touchdowns uh, this past week, just yesterday. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And Leonard Fournette, who was a beast and can be a beast. I have a pretty good feeling we'll hold him in check, but right now he's third in the NFL with 512 yards. But you can't speak Jacksonville Jaguar language without mentioning Uncle Rico himself, Gardner Minshew II. Uh, believe it or not, if you look at some numbers, he's playing pretty well, averaging about 255 yards a game, nine touchdowns, one interception. Uh, if you mention Uncle Rico, you have to mention a couple of quotes. Uh, you know, back in 82, I used to be able to throw the ball a quarter mile, or I bet you I can throw it over that mountain over there. And so if you saw Napoleon Dynamite, you know what I'm talking about. The guy has the stash. He has the look, the headband. I just hope we shut him down and move on to Chicago. Uncle Rico did meet up with Gardner Minshew. Was that just last weekend or maybe this past week? Uh, the pictures went all over social media. They had some fun over there in Jacksonville regarding that. Uh, doing some prep for that, though, I did find out we do lead the series with Jacksonville 4-2, to two, but we are 1-2 and two on the road, 3-0 and oh at home. And, James, I know you remember one of those losses in Jacksonville. You know what I'm talking about right now? 
Yes, I absolutely do. Uh, it is probably known as. multilateral play to end the game only to miss the extra point and not force overtime. John should have been in the circus carny. Thanks a lot, sir. So looking to make that two and two in Jacksonville next week. And then as Jimmy mentioned, the following week, Globro Saint show going on the road in Chicago for the big matchup. 3.30, Sunday, October 20th, Soldier the Field. The Saints versus the Bears. The Looking forward to that matchup, but just as the Saints will not do, certainly not overlooking next week's matchup. It's a tough matchup. Uh, we may be taking a trip to Saxonville. Should be a big test for our O-line, who's played very, very well. I would say almost lights out in pass protection these last couple weeks. So hopefully that streak can continue. Yeah, super pumped about this game. Uh, I think we're still a few weeks out from get, getting Breeze back, but with every win we get under our belts, I think it, it takes a little more and more pressure off of rushing Breeze back. Uh, I think, and I think most Hudats think, he's probably going to come back after that bye week, get an extra week of rest, extra week of prep preparation. Um, yes, they were there were videos circulating of him throwing, I initially thought he was throwing an NFL ball, was later told it was a nerf. So maybe he's not quite ready uh, to even begin throwing or squeezing a real football at this time. But at least he's out there. He's mixing it up with the guys. Um, so far, I think we're in, in pretty decent shape, but we're not going to rest on our laurels and got to keep, keep going, keep pushing. No doubt there. No doubt at all. Well, here's the deal. He comes back, you mentioned, right after the bye week, or excuse me, right before the bye week, get that extra week in, because after that bye week, four straight divisional games, that's when we need our best. We need our best there for that next uh, four couple games there. Take control of the division, start to take control of, of seeding and potential playoffs there, and what a golden age of Saints football do we live in where we are already in week five trying to set up where we're going to be in the playoffs Hudats, I hope you have enjoyed this ride. Play playoffs? I'm hoping we can win a damn game. Uh, Jim Morris Sr., thank you very much for all of the sound bites that we have for you. But in all seriousness, like I said, this has been the golden age of the Saints. Uh, I don't want that door to close. Obviously, we want to squeeze out as much as we can with Breeze. We've got a great nucleus behind him. When that time comes, that can hopefully carry that mantle and continue on. But uh, what, what a time to be a Saints fan where it's playoffs or bust. And uh, I just, you know, haven't, haven't gone through so many years where that was a foreign concept to us. Uh, like I said, it's a great time to be a Huda. It's a great time to celebrate our Saints and look forward to next week's victory in Jacksonville. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time. Huda out. Globros out. Them too.